What's going on, everybody? And welcome in to this edition of Be Shafe Daily Live. As tonight, it really does feel like the sky is falling in Cardinals land as an inexplicable series sweep to the to the San Francisco Giants was capped off on Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. We're here in the evening hours, live on YouTube stream, as the Cardinals lose in extras 8-5 to five to the Giants. This was impossible. This loss, I, I just tweeted the one word after Giovanni Gallegos gave up the home run to Yastrzemski on the final strike of the game. It could have ended it right then and there. Instead, it was tied, and y'all know what happened in extra innings. I just tweeted the word unbelievable. And I saw the tweet from Ben Fredrickson of the Post-Dispatch, who is as sharp as they come when it comes to sports columnists. And he said, I would say unbelievable, but that, you know, it's kind of believable if you've been watching this Cardinal season. So he was right. I also feel I was right. You know, we said kind of opposite things, but I mean, you just felt watching this game today that it was, this was going to be not the one to change the season because I don't think that's realistic to just say, oh, hey, one win, baby. Everything's good. No, no, it wasn't going to be that way, but at least you get the win going into the off day. You get the win going back out on the road. It's a an interesting road trip coming up because you've got the Mets games. You're going to London pretty soon. Like it's a, it's a precarious time without being 15 games below 500. But that's where the Cardinals are now. And I am hard-pressed to figure out exactly what's going to be the thing that clicks to make this team get out of this doldrums, this valley, whatever you want to call it. It certainly is a valley when you're the worst team in the National League, when you're only looking down in the majors to the Royals and the A's. I mean, that's it. If I'm not mistaken, coming into tonight, that is it when it comes to in Major League Baseball teams, the Cardinals are better than. Here's the NL Central standings. I'll put them up on the screen here for a moment. Uh, you're lucky. <laughs> you're lucky, Cardinals fans, because the Brewers lost again today. The Pirates had a lead over the Cubs and couldn't hold it. And so still nine games back. Still nine games back. You don't feel that lucky, though, do you? Uh, last place in the NL Central. An NL Central that we don't think very highly of. Uh, your percentage points below the Washington Nationals, below the Rockies. That AL East is lit right there, man. Boston's only two games below 500, and they're the worst team in that division, which is kind of actually how I predicted that division to play out coming into the year. Um, Kansas City is terrible. Detroit's pretty bad, too. The A's are in, in in the very bottom as well. The Cardinals are a top-five draft pick if the, if the, uh, the season were to end today. That is mind-blowing. It's unfortunate. It is reality right now for this team. So the question is, where do the Cardinals go from here? That's what I pose to you tonight. I know we'll have a lot of Mo comments. We might have even more Ollie Marmel comments based on the way the back and forth trended on Twitter today. I'll be honest with you. About 3 o'clock to 3.40 this afternoon after the game ended, I was just sitting there on my phone on Twitter and I was glued to it. And maybe that was bad for my own mental health because I was kind of going back and forth with Cardinals fans. And I saw the post game. I sat there and waited for the uh, the all the post game. I was not at the game today. I was at home because I had the radio show starting up just right after the game ended, basically. Uh, and I live forty five minutes away, assuming no traffic. So I wasn't going to be able to be in that post game anyway. And so for that reason, with a baby doctor's appointment this morning, didn't go to the game. But I watched the whole thing. I watched the post game, and <clears throat> you got a fired up version of Ollie Marmel, who basically said after this one. At some point, you just got to do it. You know, Ali has kind of gone through the progression of the different emotions in, in post games recent recently. And today, you know, there was the the stoic, not much to say, two minute post game the other day. 
There was yesterday was a little more, you know, had the emotion a little bit, had the had the hand on the shoulder, it sounded like, of his team after the game. He said, I'm guiding guys through a stretch of their career that's unfamiliar. It's unfamiliar terrain for everybody in this organization because when you think about it, the Cardinals have not lost. They've not had a losing season since 2007 when Moselak took over. And so I don't think anybody in this organization truly knows how to lose. And like they're not familiar with what it feels like, with what you do, with what how you work through it. And it's unfamiliar terrain for everybody. But Ollie talked yesterday and kind of had that more soft-spoken nature, down-to-earth leveling with you to say, hey, guys are going through it right now, and it's my job to kind of be their shepherd. Well, today, Cardinals had this game flat-out won. Tommy Evan with the grand slam, huge swing to get him out of a, of a slump. He's been really going through it. And you have that bases-loaded opportunity after the game begins with the uh, the first inning that allows San Francisco to take the lead because Jordan Montgomery simply could not miss any bats. It's when I dug it up on fan graphs and said, this Cardinals rotation, it's no wonder that they haven't been successful. They are nearly at the bottom of the league in terms of swinging strike rate this season. It's basically the same as it was last season, and the rotation is even worse than the bullpen. 8.6% coming into today was the swinging strike percent when it comes to Cardinals pitching in the rotation. I'm talking about the starting rotation with that 29th in baseball. And then from there, Montgomery looked like Randy Johnson. Turned it on, got nearly through seven innings. Jordan Hicks, one of his best outings of the year to be able to get out of that jam with a couple of outs in the seventh. He pitches the eighth. <clears throat> Everything's going well. All you got to do is have your well-rested closer finish this game out. Couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And then suddenly we're talking about all the things that went wrong. We're talking about how the fact that the Cardinals didn't score runs after the third inning, which you noticed as the game went along. But I feel like Cardinals fans were almost lulled to sleep in the same way that the offense was, where they say, hey, look, we got these five runs. It, it, let's just, can we just not lose this game? Can the bullpen just do its job? Can the Offense needed to have kept the pedal down, and they didn't. And that's something that I think should definitely be highlighted in the loss today. But at the same time, it wasn't really a concern until it was, right? Until you get into the ninth inning and the game gets tied, you go, well, crap. Now now they're going to have to try and do some more scoring. Couldn't do it. And then the embarrassment of the 10th inning. And, like, I don't know what's worse. The fact that Steven Matz gives up three runs, which, again, I expect him to give up at least one run. You give up a leadoff double automatically, you're a major league team. you got to figure out a way. If you want to win this game, you want to get out of this kind of situation, you got to figure out a way to get that one to score. And so if they score, that's all right. Honestly, if it's 6-5 to five going to the bottom of the 10th, can live with that. The fact that the Cardinals don't even move the ghost runner, the man for man off second base, it's pitiful. The situational hitting for this team, the fact that I would, I would venture in some of those clutch situations, game on the line, and this was not exclusive to today. But this season, the Cardinals are basically in a spot where you can almost guarantee that they're going to take the best pitch that they're going to see in that at-bat, and they're just going to let it go right by. And then they're going to have to put themselves in a spot where they got to chase something, they got to grind. Like, Nolan Gorman grinds out in that bat late in the game to, to draw a walk. That's great. But there are so many times where I, I'm like, that's that's a cutter middle-middle, or that's a slider that, that backs up middle-middle at 87, 89. Or maybe it's a fastball. Like, Gallegos, he was piping fastballs the entire ninth inning. He throws 95, and you can get away with it. He's got good movement, and I think he was mixing his pitches well, kind of pitching backwards a little bit, as Brad Thompson talked about, where you don't necessarily, as a batter, 
expect a fastball to be coming. The slider just really didn't, it wasn't fooling anybody, it seemed like, in that inning for Geo. And so the fastball was an okay thing to go to. But they catch up to it eventually, and they figure it out. They figure out, hey, he's trying to put a fastball by me, just like he did to Blake Sable. Like, this is, I think the Giants just caught on to what was going on there, what was and was not working for Gallegos, and he left left it over the plate. And so, like, it's just those little things. On the pitching side, you see it. Steven Matz gives up a bunch of hits. He got taken out of the rotation for a reason, right? Like, I get it, but if you're Ollie Marble, who else are you going to? Because you can look out there in that bullpen, and everybody else out there pretty much, unless you're talking Verhagen, who threw a couple of outs yesterday. And if you're saying, hey, I want Drew Verhagen in that spot as a Cardinals fan, okay, fine. But everybody else, for the most part, has failed Ollie Marble within the past three or so days. I mean, that's just the reality. Palante, I think, could have been an, an argument there in that spot for the 10th. Um, maybe you try to strike out the first batter, which I believe was a lefty, and then I don't care who's up next. You walk him intentionally, and then you go for the double play. Like it's It gets to those situations where you really do have to think strategically. Uh, they went with Steven Matz. He, you know, he didn't have it, but can anybody be surprised by that? I don't think it's bullpen management. I think it is you've got a bullpen, and if you're the manager of it, you got to put somebody out there on the mound. I know people might be in the business of second-guessing, and that's why I'm just going to jump right into the comments to see what y'all are saying about it. But boy, oh boy, no matter how you slice it, this was a bad one. This was a bad one, and now they're as low as they've been all season at 15 games below 500. Here's the deal. Take a quick drink. Um, then I'm getting right into the comments. We're up to 29 likes. Appreciate that, guys. Um, if you have Super Chats to get in, you're welcome to do that. Otherwise, I'm just going to try to go chronologically and hope that YouTube does not uh, does not skip on me and we can get to as many of these as we can. Taking a sip, and then we're right in. Jesse, we need to cook, says pain, which uh, if you notice the the headlining thumbnail for the, the, the picture for this live stream was a picture I took where Fred Bird actually was on the dugout. This was a few weeks ago, celebrating a young kid's birthday, and the, the sign said happy birthday. And I had a little fun. I wrote pain over the top of the sign. So uh, it makes it looks like Redbird is in pain. Redbird. Fredbird. The sentence I just said sounded like a Tim Robinson sentence from I think you should leave. Uh, that's how you know it's late at night. Kevin says, I have opinions about this team. Kevin, you're in the right place, my man. Share them and share them freely. Robert says, I heard something a little bit ago that has some teeth to it, I think. Ollie, Yachty, Skip, Maddox, and had Albert for half the last year. Uh, I mean, he was there the whole year, but I, I get the point, Robert. Albert was only really elite for the second half of the season. He makes the point that you had all of those individuals to help out the manager, Ollie Marmel, in his first year as a big league manager. Now he pretty much has to do it on his own. I think you stumbled upon the gold mine a little bit there, Robert, because people are after Ollie, and I get it. But the reality is there are a lot of things wrong with this team right now, and they do have a manager. Like I see a lot of comments where people say, get an experienced big league manager. And I never liked that comment because I think there are ways to manage and there are ways to develop managers that don't necessarily involve the guy having done it before at the big league level. A lot of people like Mike Schilt. I mean, he won a lot of games. I mean, even Mike Matheny, who I think by the end, it was very clear he was kind of in over his head with the role that he was in, but he won a lot of games as well. Ollie Marmel, I think, is is certainly sharper than Mike Matheny was at the time where he was the Cardinals manager. Maybe Matheny improved over with the Royals, although the results didn't necessarily show it. Um, but but I think Ollie Marmel is like a 37, 38, 39-year-old. I don't know how old he is, but he's a version of that that's better suited 
than I think Matheny ever would or could be, even though Marble is, you know, less life experience, a little younger, wasn't ever a big league player. Okay, fine. Mike Schilt wasn't a big league player, but I think he had a lot of good qualities as a manager and maybe, you know, some qualities that weren't weren't as desirable, but I think by and large he did a nice job. Ollie Marmel, I think the only thing he's lacking in the eyes of those who say, hey, give me the experience, is just that. Like, to be able to point to a resume and say, hey, I've done it before. But I think he's sharp. I think he's got really good managerial qualities. I think he's going through a stretch right now, though, that nobody ever saw coming. And it's going to be a test to figure whether or not he can manage his way out of this situation. I don't know what the answer is to that. The answer might be no. And then we can talk about the reasons for that and whether there's merit to the idea that he should be or should not be able to do so. I think there are flaws with this roster. I think John Moselak sat on his hands a lot of the offseason. And, and 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 this Cardinals team is talented. Don't get me wrong. Are they the most talented in the division? I was certainly saying that early in the season. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the Reds going, that's a team to pay attention to because Ellie Dale Cruz was not on the Reds to begin the season. Christian Encarnacion Strand was not and still is not on the Reds, but he's going to be soon. Another big-time prospect for them. If they were to add, like, imagine throwing Jack Flaherty and Jordan Montgomery on the Reds. I'm serious. Like, this trade's not going to happen, but imagine if it did. Imagine if they just had, and, and the way Cardinals fans view those guys, it could be all, all, you know, basically all over the map. I look at those two pitchers and go, on a team like the Reds, who's got young pitching and some inconsistent pitching, those two would be stabilizing forces kind of as a number three, number four. I, I don't I don't know if either of them would be their ace, but just a little bit more consistency and, and knowing what the upside would be from a couple of guys like that. If you plop those guys onto the Reds, I think they'd be favorites in the Central right now because their offense is on the come. They've got young talent that's emerging right now, and they're winning a lot of ball games. They've got the vibes rolling really well, um, but the only team in the division that necessarily does. And so I look at that and go, well, man, that's a team to, to maybe pay attention to. But other than that, I really do think the Cardinals have a lot of talent on this roster. But what they also have is a bit of a flawed roster that John Mosellock didn't do anything about in the offseason. He said, you got six starting pitchers. You could even argue seven, whatever. Are any of them going to be reliable? Are they going to mesh well with with the new pitching coach, with the new catcher, with the new situation, with the new rules in play for MLB? All these were questions that I think the Cardinals just kind of kept checking the boxes and just kind of going through the motions of, yeah, everything's going to be cool. Bullpen. You know, you've got some talented arms, but if Gallegos is faltering and Ryan Helsley is hurt, that house of cards comes tumbling down pretty quick. And it's not to say that I don't think Palante is a nice piece. I do. Chris Stratton has impressed me. I was a little bit curious why the Cardinals decided when they didn't have to tender him a contract, why they decided to do so. He's exceeded my expectations, even though he's been a guy in the past where 5 ERA, 5 ERA, he's been a little below that this year, and I think he's done a nice job. But those guys are more middle relief types. The Cardinals don't have a, a, you know, a trio of lockdown late-inning relievers like, like good playoff contending teams legitimately need. And that's the situation they're getting themselves into where I just say, I don't know how you would expect the bullpen to honestly improve right now, barring just everybody doing what Jordan Hicks has kind of done is just be really bad at the beginning and then suddenly come out of it. And he and, and he still has his moments where it doesn't look great. But we have seen Jordan Hicks, uh, we have seen him do nice things. And tonight was an example of him being able to do a nice job. I just don't know bullpen-wise if it fits necessarily. Same thing I said with the rotation. And then talk about the offense. They had plans for this outfield. Tyler O'Neill was a big part of them. Whether, you know, whatever you think about Tyler O'Neill, he was a big part of the plans, and it hasn't come to fruition. 
I think you could make the case that, yeah, Jordan Walker was part of these plans. I don't think it's come to fruition on him in terms of defensively. I think it wasn't realistic for the Cardinals to go, yeah, Jordan Walker's an athlete. He'll be a fine outfielder, and he won't be a, a detriment out there. It wasn't realistic. They they asked him 10 and a half months ago to be an outfielder, and he's not quite there yet. Offensively, his bat is not only MLB ready, you keep him in that number five spot. You don't move him. Contreras plays on Friday, great. Bat him seventh, keep Carlson sixth. We said this on the stream last night. This is, I mean, Ali Marmol did exactly what I would have done, but the only difference is we knew that it was a Kisner game, and so would he do it as well in a situation where Contreras starts? I'm not 100% sure of that. But the roster has flaws, and I just hesitate to say, hey, this is Ollie Marmol's fault when we could have anticipated a lot of these flaws. And even some of the ones that we couldn't have anticipated at the beginning of the year, I think we see them now. And so for me, I'm looking more uh, to the front office for some of this stuff. I'm going to get to Anthony's Super Chat because he's very generous to, uh, to hop in on Super Chat again tonight. He says, man, I'm so tired of hearing the fire Ollie chants. It's not on Ollie. This roster construction is bad. It never made sense. The six stars, BS, the outfield logs that were unproven. To Anthony, he, he says this is on Mo. And Anthony, appreciate you hopping in, man, with the super chat. I tend to agree that I put more of this at the feet of John Mozalak, who, again, has given interviews. He's done an interview with The Athletic. He's talked to the Post-Dispatch. Typically, the way this has worked in past years, and you may care about this, you may not care about this as a Cardinals fan, but I, I, I just tell you the way that it has historically gone is we have often seen John Mozalak First game of every homestand, he'll give a, a presser, he'll do a scrum, he'll talk to the local media. He has not been as as out front about a lot of those sorts of things. And I don't believe there's been one of those type scrums since mid-April. Now, like I've said, I've got to offer the caveat that I'm not at all of these pregame situations because I do a radio show on KTGR from 4 to 6 p.m. weekdays. You can listen to it online at KTGR.com uh, or on the KTGR app. And, and if you're in mid-Missouri, 100.5 KTGR on the FM dial. So I don't know necessarily all of what has or has not been going on, but I don't believe there's been a lot of Mosellock out front chatting with the media and kind of explaining this season. There's been the situation where going back into winter warm-up, he said, yeah, we got these six starters, and we frankly didn't. And he said, candidly, that's the only word I can say in a Mo voice is candidly. But candidly, he said, we didn't really engage in those markets, speaking of shortstop and starting pitching. But then more recently, he's told different outlets, well, we did engage on a lot of different starters, but it was all the guys that you see now on the IL or not performing. Whereas I know guys like Nate Avaldi were available. Michael Waka was available, right? Like there were options, and I think you're kind of telling on yourself when you first say, no, nah, we didn't we didn't engage. And then you say, well, we did engage, but, you know, the, it was the wrong guys, so it wouldn't have made a difference anyway. It's kind of telling on yourself a little bit. I, I think the rotation was easy to harp on at the beginning of the year. I honestly don't think it's going to be the problem. Not at the end of this season. I have said you could go back probably four weeks to B-Shafe daily live streams that I have done. And what was I saying back then? Guys, I know the rotation's bad now. But I believe the underlying issue with this Cardinals team could end up being more reliant upon the offense not getting its job done, not carrying its weight. And that may be unfair because the offense needs to carry more than its fair share of weight. That's the way it was designed. That is the way this Cardinals roster, fair or unfair, was constructed to have a middle-of-the-class pitching staff, 12th to 16th in MLB ranking in terms of the, the efficiency of the rotation in the bullpen, and the top, the top five offense. It had to be a top five, arguably a top three offense. And is that fair? I don't know. Maybe that's not fair to the offense to ask them to do that. 
But at the end of the day, I think that is the way that you could argue this was designed. And, and we just have not seen it. We have not seen that top five offense. So that's where I am right now on things. Um, but it's a great comment. I, I know I kind of go long-winded on some of these answers. Uh, but but Robert makes the point that all these things changed. And there's Ollie trying to guide the Cardinals through this. And it's absolutely true. And the issue with it is I just think the team in general underestimated a lot of the things that would change that would go kind of south on them. And here we are. All of it's happened, and now they're trying to scramble to figure it out. Will says that he's inclined to agree with that assessment. It does make sense uh, whether folks want to believe it or not, and I agree with it. Jesse says, how come something hasn't happened yet? Cars are 15 under. They're bad. Time to make changes. Again, let's talk about what changes could be made. You want to fire the manager? I think it would be a short-sighted move because, and what I mean by that is, like, if this weird thing doesn't happen this season, if the Cardinals are sitting right here at 500 instead of 15 under, which I know, if, Ifs and buts, candy and nuts. But I, I, I just believe that Ali Marmel would be the manager for at least the next decade. Like, this wouldn't be something we'd be talking about. Um, there are a lot of Cardinals fans who say that sounds crazy. They don't like what Ali Marmel has done, uh, whatever the case might be. But I, I genuinely believe he's got the chops to be able to do this job for a long time. And the Cardinals did not anticipate him having to guide through a situation like this one. So that's kind of where it's at right now where I go, well... I, I mean, this is the situation, so you have to acknowledge it for what it is. But at the same time, I, what changes? I mean, you want to fire the manager. I think you can do that. I don't think it fixes anything because, for me, the underlying problems are the the guy that built the roster built it in a way that, that has limited it. And that's not to take the players off the hook. I think the players, like Ali, you know, you say, well, he went after Tyler O'Neill, and I can't believe he did that, and he lost the clubhouse. No, he didn't. Um, read Paul Goldschmidt's comments tonight in, in the STL Today article. He didn't lose the clubhouse because of Tyler O'Neill. This clubhouse is not galvanizing around Tyler O'Neill. I'm not saying they don't like Tyler O'Neill. I'm sure they all think he's a fine guy. He's not the heart and soul of this team or anything that the Cardinals fans that like that narrative want to make Tyler O'Neill out to be. First of all, he hasn't been in the clubhouse for weeks and weeks of the season. I mean, he, he pops in on occasion, was there the other day to you know kind of check in, but he hasn't really been around. So the idea that this is all going on behind closed doors and the clubhouse is just so sad and they're just so distraught that their manager called out their you know the, the Tyler O'Neill who just is this team leader like it's not it's not to disparage O'Neill the way I say this but I, I I use a little hyperbole to let y'all know like that's not reality that's not what this is and then you want to add the Contreras thing and say that's proof that all these throwing players under the bus do you really think that the second year manager not only of the Cardinals, but of his major league career as a manager in the second year with an $87.5 million catcher, decided, you know what would be fun? Let's take him and, and say we're going to move him to the outfield. You think that's what happened? No, that's not what happened. Ali Marmel didn't go rogue and, and start saying we're going we're gonna to sideline Contreras. This was an edict from the top. It was, a, it was a conjunctional decision between everybody. This was not Ali Marmel. And so those are the things that people want to use as like the two smoking guns to say all he lost the clubhouse. No, he didn't. Read STL Today, and I would say, you know, read me, but I wasn't there, so I don't have these quotes. STL Today does. You should read them because Paul Goldsmith says, my confidence in Ollie has never been higher as this team's manager. If you want to say that Ollie's lost the clubhouse, then, then they've lost Paul Goldsmith as well. When in reality, we know better. We know Paul Goldsmith. When we talk about heart and soul of a team, that's that dude. That's Paul Goldsmith. So again... If you want to disagree with Goldie, that's fine. I'm inclined to believe what he says and to be able to use enough nuance to go, you know what? This sucks. 
This is unprecedented losing for a Cardinals team, and these guys aren't used to it, and they don't like it because they've never experienced this before in their lives. Maybe Arenado with the Rockies, but there weren't expectations to win then, right? Like, that's what's different about this. Coming in, people thought this team would be pretty good. And so to think that this team doesn't care, well, that can't be true. But caring is not enough. You have to execute. And that's all these comments today after the game. You have a lead going into the ninth. You also didn't score after the third inning. At some point, you just have to, he did everything short of go F and go do it. I'm thinking those comments came behind closed doors. But again, I wasn't there, so I can't pretend that I know what was said. You just got to go do it at a certain point. And so you want changes. I get it, Jesse. They're 15 under. But I also saw a nice comment from somebody today that said, you know, if you really think Mo's the problem, great. First of all, Brendan says they're not going to fire Mo, and I think Brendan's right about that. Why am I talking in the third person? Here's the other part of it. To do it midseason, to change over if you really were going to do that, and Mo was going to step aside, which I've kind of advocated if they don't think he can handle this trade deadline to get them back on track because the trade deadline has got to be about setting up not only the rest of this year regardless of record, but 2024 and beyond. If they don't think he can do it, get somebody who can and get him in there now so they can get it set up. The problem is, I think there's a very good chance that if they go internal, that's going to be Randy Flores. And we know the Cardinals are going to go internal because that's what they've always done. Maybe this season makes them change their mind on that, but that's kind of my anticipation is still going to be an internal move. Gersh is a possibility, sure. I think Flores has gained a lot of respect with what he has done with that draft, running the drafts as the scouting, the farm director, whatever the formal title is. But also, they've got another draft coming up. So it might be a lot to put on a guy's plate to say, hey, we're going to change all this up as the draft is approaching. You know, another important draft for this organization. And then I want that guy to be the guy that runs the trade deadline too. Like, Moe's not going anywhere until after the season. And it will be a mutual decision between he and Bill DeWitt if it happens, right? So, yes, I understand, Jesse, you want changes. Realistically, I don't know what those changes are and how they come about. That's the tricky part of this entire thing. I get it. People want their pound of flesh, and y'all kind of deserve it. You've been watching some pretty crappy baseball, and I get it. But I don't realistically know what the move is if it's not the manager, and I personally just don't think that's on the table. And you might not like hearing that. I wouldn't tell it to you if I didn't believe it was true, though. So I'm just trying to shoot it to you straight. Uh, We can get to 40 likes as well. The 80 viewers that are in here, I'll bet some of y'all have not subscribed to the channel, and that's okay. Welcome. I love the new people. Here's what I would love for you to do. Subscribe real quick. Count down from 60, and that's when YouTube is going to allow you to join the live chat and say, hey, my name is such and such. Here's my comment. And by the way, first time listener, because I want to be able to welcome you. A quick drink, and we'll be right back into the comments. Love that we're here. I I, I do need to show on the screen the uh, the pitching staff and the box line from them, the box score from the pitchers, because, uh, I mean, Montgomery, he was better than the box line looked, honestly. And uh, Hicks was just as good as it looked. And Gallegos and Mats, yeah, you're you're basically getting what you see with those. And those were costly. More so Gallegos than Mats, though, because Mats, it was like, all right, at this point, it's probably done. You know, you had the lead. You blew the lead. You can, you can see where the offense was following the third inning. It just wasn't going to happen. So that's where it ended up being. But I'll show that on the screen for a little while and make you guys cry. Apologies for that. Allison says, can't wait to hear Brendan's take on this game. Get to the point where for my own mental health, I need to stop watching. Well, you can keep watching these because I'll keep telling you what's going on. Let's let's agree on that one. Uh, Steven says, watch today's game in its entirety until the uh, little Yaz bomb. Actually, uh, hold on a second. Uh, we got a new super chat, and I'm going to get to it. I swear if it's Anthony again, you don't have to keep chatting me, bro. I do appreciate it, though. 
Uh, Anthony has been a great supporter. Um, but I'll finish Steven's comment up real quick. Said, um, seemed like a game that made sense until then. What followed? Cards carded like an MFer and somehow still managed to astonish me. That's what I was saying. Like, it felt like a game that you got comfortable. As a, as a spectator watching the game, I was like, I'm comfortable knowing the way this is going to go. Especially once Hicks got out of that seventh inning. I'm like, all right, you know the way this is going to go. Cardinals are finally going to settle in, uh, and they're going to get this 5-3 to three win. They didn't. And that's where it's like, did the players get too comfortable in that same mindset as well? Because I have a feeling that that might have been the case. Where they just said, eh, bullpen's got it. Can't think that way. You can't think that way because that is doom if you decide to do so. Uh, Anthony, brother, I appreciate the next comment. He says the rotation gives them a chance to win most nights. Not great at all, which I agree with, but they're solid, right? He says the problem is the lineup that has too many holes, no power from the outfield whatsoever. You have one pitcher for next year. That's just bad prioritizing. Yeah, I agree with the 2024 rotation being a, a question mark for sure. And I actually, if the Cardinals go into a world where they're just tanking on this season, you're going to see a rotation. Like, here's what you should see. A rotation of Michaelis, and don't worry about the order, but I'm going to name the names. Michaelis, Wainwright, and, and even though Wainwright's on his final year of a contract, he's going to finish as a Cardinal. You don't trade him. Michaelis, Wainwright, Libby, Dakota Hudson, Stephen Matz should be your rotation. And then just the moment you think of Michael McGreevy or a Graceffo or uh, anybody else, you know, Zach Thompson, if he can turn it around, he's struggling at Memphis as a starter. And the moment any of those younger guys are ready, they you can move Matts back to the bullpen, whatever. But at that point, it's just like if you're 25 games below and it's done, done, like for real done, you just trade Montgomery, trade Flaherty, you trade Jordan Hicks, and you get – because you'll get some decent prospects. I'm not talking about like top, top prospects because they're all rentals. But that's why you trade them because they're not a part of your team next year unless you re-sign them. And I don't think individually any of those guys are primed to be re-signed necessarily. And so I just look at it and go, get what you can at that point. I stop short of trading Paul Goldschmidt because I do not believe Cardinals fans should write off the next season as well. And Goldie is still a guy who can compete and can contribute and can be a leader in 2024. I get that you might get a little more for him than you'd get for Flaherty or Montgomery because he is a star player still. Former MVP just you know a few months ago but I just can't bring myself to to say it. And so unless we start getting all these rumors like, yeah, here are the top prospects, it would have to be some astonishing names for me to go, yeah, trade Goldie. Because I just, I, I don't think it should be acceptable to write off 2024 as well. If you're going to do that, then you do need to change the leadership uh, in the front office because this is going to be a longer rebuild than people thought. But I still think the Cardinals are fixing the pitching and, and a couple pitchers away. Anthony talks about the lineup and the lineup does have holes in it. But I could paint you a picture of a pretty powerful lineup. Ollie thought there'd be a powerful lineup to begin the season. They've had injuries. I'm not going to count on Tyler O'Neill being part of that this year. But if I could paint you a lineup that was, and, and, and I'll try to get this right without going through positions, but I would say Donovan, Newt Barr, Goldschmidt, and you could go Gorman if you want to If you want to still bat him there. But I'm, I'm thinking I'll bump Gorman down a little bit simply because uh, he's struggling recently, right? But I'm going to put him fifth. So I'll go Donovan, Newt Bar, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Gorman, Walker, Carlson, and then who am I missing? Edmund is going to be down there somewhere. And I'm probably miss- oh, I'm missing I'm missing a catcher. Uh yep. That's part of this, by the way, guys. That is part of this situation that when I'm going through this mock lineup of like, here's how the Cardinals get their power back. I'm not even naming the the catcher who's hitting 198, and he was supposed to be 
not only the replacement for Yachty behind the plate, but in some ways the replacement for the production that Albert gave you as the DH. And Contreras, I, I don't know what's going to become of his contract, if it's going to end up being a good deal or a bad one. But right now, he's not producing. And I, the Cardinals made him a scapegoat early in the season when it came to the struggles of the rotation. But I think right now, he's, uh, I think, a deserving scapegoat in some ways of the struggles of the lineup. But you've got to recognize he's not the only one, right? We went through this the other day, and we saw Edmund before the Grand Slam was OPSing like 398 the last 15 days. DeYoung was way down there. Gorman was down in the 500 or below range. Uh, they've got about half the lineup, including Contreras, that are really, really struggling. But if I'm mocking up the lineup, um, so maybe Carlson goes a little lower. We'll go, and I again, Carlson's taking some of the better ABs on this team right now. I thought that continued today. But I'll go number five, what I say? Donovan, Newtbar, Goldie, Arenado, Gorman, uh, Walker, six, Contreras, seven, Carlson, eight, nine, I would go Edmund. And I think the positions, you can finagle them to work out in that regard. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. Is that a great lineup? It should be pretty good. I'll be honest with you. It should be pretty good. Um, There might be some questions about where everybody fits defensively, but that should be one that gets it done for you. So, Anthony, I hear you about the notion of, you know, that the lineup having holes in it. I agree with no power from the outfield. Like, Tommy Edmond is getting good range in center field. Tommy Edmond is a really valuable player, and he's a good ball player. He's He doesn't have the arm for center field or the outfield in general. And I would make the case that offensively, despite the grand slam today, if your outfield is Donovan playing in left, which I've advocated for because you could go Gorman at second, Walker at DH for the time being until he gets more accustomed to the outfield. Donovan, Edmund, Carlson. And then when when Newt Bar gets back, he kind of jumps in and you figure it out. That's tricky. And notice I didn't say Paul DeYoung in that mock lineup because I think his time might be might be coming. I want to believe in Paul D. I do. But we've seen him kind of fall off a little bit. I think you play him against lefties, and you're careful with him against righties about when he when he plays and when he doesn't. But I'm looking at it going, yeah, that lineup doesn't have a lot of power in the outfield. I do think you need some bonafide dudes in your outfield. They've got good, flexible baseball players in their outfield, but they've got a lot of those kinds of guys. And that's where I'm not advocating to trade any one of Gorman, Donovan. Uh, you could throw a new bar in there, um, but really he just probably needs to be on the team. Donovan, Edmund are the main two kind of guys where you go, if Mason wins coming, man, I could see a world where they just got to trade one of those guys or, or a Gorman, which could be painful, or a Carlson, which he's a little bit of a different tier, but he can he can get himself back into that top tier if he continues to play well. Like, those are all guys that I think are darn good baseball players. You might need to trade one of them in order to get the pitcher that you need. You might need to trade one of them in order to, to make your roster just fall into place a little better. And that's the kind of trade that Moe's never been able to make because he doesn't want to trade somebody when they're when they're at a peak value, when they're looking like, hey, he could contribute to our team. Why would I want to give up on that? I've seen what it looks like when players go to other teams and end up thriving, and then I end up with the egg on my face because I let him go. Sometimes you got to make a ball player for ball player trade, and they have, those have been hard to come by for John Mozeliak. And I mean, I don't know if he's going to be able to pull any of them off at this deadline. But I think they're needed. I think they were needed in the offseason. I talked about them being necessary. I get, and it's why the question I asked, I can go back to mid-January, and I can remember just sitting there and, and, and asking the question when it was my turn to do so. He talked about free agent market and how they didn't really engage in pitching, which ended up being a lie. 
But I asked, what about the trade markets? Did Were you surprised by anything? I think I used that terminology. Were you surprised by anything you saw in the trade markets in those discussions in the offseason? And he ended up taking my question more to mean, and I wish I was more specific, but he ended up taking it, I think, more to mean with regard to the catcher situation. I meant with all the five other trades that this team needed to have made. You've got Dakota Hudson, and he's going to be extra. You've got, can you make some 40-man clearing trades, bring in some lower-level prospects or non-prospects just to kind of clear the deck a little bit, and then that allows you to feel like it's not a waste to bring in a starting pitcher via trade because you you now have somewhere to put that guy without making you know Dakota Hudson feel bad or something. Like Those are the kinds of moves that I legitimately thought this team should be making, and they didn't make any of them in the offseason. They signed Contreras and did nothing else. And so I wanted to know legit, legitimately what the trade market looked like, and I didn't really get the answer because I guess I did not ask the question effectively um, because it, his answer was mostly like, well, we signed Contreras, obviously, so we didn't we didn't end up thinking the trade markets were great for that. It's like, yeah, I know. I saw, I read the report, too, of what the A's were asking for, and it was a lot uh, for Sean Murphy. But I was really thinking this was a team that needed other trades and other moves as well. Um, so that's kind of my thought process there. Uh, Ryan, appreciate the super chat. I'm wishing I could see what the comment was, but it's like right now it's not coming up. Um, so Ryan, try to get that comment back in brother. I apologize that I haven't been able to, to see it here. Um, let's go jumping back into the live chat. Uh, we're talking some Adelis Garcia. I say, don't call Adalis Garcia a hall of famer. I would agree with that. That's, uh, that's rather, rather premature at this point in time, but I hear you. Um, Felix says that fans should stop buying tickets. I haven't been to a game since April. The more support failure, pardon me. The more we support failure, the less things will ever change. They aren't making aggressive changes, and they should be panicking. I think they are kind of panicking. I don't know what aggressive changes would be made. Like, they've made moves, but I think a lot of them have been kind of questionable ones with the Contreras and sending Walker down. They've since brought him back. Um, They moved Matts from the rotation, which I think was good. They've made moves. They've been a little bit slow to make moves. Get the weird Taylor Motter thing for the longest time. Trace Barrera got a month of MLB service time for some reason. Like, there's a lot questionable that Moselak didn't have anything to do with, I would say. Or I'm sorry, <laughs> that Marmol did not have anything to do with, but Mo was definitely kind of in the in the midst of all that. So I get that people want aggressive change, and you know they could fire Ollie tomorrow, and I'd say, all right, let's see what happens. I don't think it's coming, and so that's why I try to not. And again, if I'm blindsided by it, I'm blindsided by it. I just don't expect it, especially with what we saw Goldschmidt say. I don't think you'd see him say it. To SCL today, if it weren't it, like if Ollie were out the door, and I think if you were going to send Ollie packing, you'd do it now because you're going on this road trip. You don't, you don't maybe want that hanging over you when you go to London if the team's still bad. Um, I don't know. I just don't think it's coming. And so, yeah, they should be making changes. They should be aggressively thinking about things they could do. And by the way, if trades are what you mean, I agree they should be making trades. And I'm tired of. This notion, and it happens every year, Mo saying, well, the markets right now just aren't, you know, they haven't really heated up yet. Heat them up. You do it. You have that ability. You're an MLB team. The And truly, the way this is presented is, though, that's just not even an option. And that they, they, they want to spin it as, well, it's better to wait longer because then there are more options or whatever. I, it's gobbledygook to me. It's not true. I don't buy it for a second. You cannot tell me that you benefit from the market by, four or five other teams being ready to to buy what you're looking to buy at the same time or have four or five other teams jump in and say, yeah, we're going to sell the same thing the Cardinals are looking to sell. It doesn't benefit the Cardinals. 
what could benefit them is to be a little bit bold. I've never seen it from this front office. Never seen it in June to where they're like, yep, we can make a legit bonafide deal right now because our team needs it. That's the kind of urgency the Cardinals need. And I just, it's it's so far removed from feeling possible because Moe's never done it. I think Moe has done so very many good things. He has never had a losing season. That should be repeated ad nauseum because it's an impressive track record. The reality is this team needs drastic action right now. And I don't know that you're going to, you you might as well just fast forward a month. The record could be what the record is unless they just go on a, a tear. But we're just kind of biding time now waiting to see what they do in mid-July because it's it's against the, I guess it's against the Cardinal way to make a move in June. I don't know. Ryan says, why do so many fans continue to waste money at the stadium? Changes won't be made until attendance falls below 31K. Uh, time to boycott. Good luck with that. I mean, they got good giveaways. They got good weather. They got good fans. And um, and tickets are cheap, too. You could probably buy them on a secondary market for like six bucks a lot of time, weekdays especially. People are still going to come to the stadium. I've been actually really impressed with the homestand attendance this week. Brian says, maybe I'm fantasizing, but I would be calling Yachty like a crazy ex-girlfriend. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't want to get into like the nuances of why I just don't think Yachty would be the right fit to just step in to manage this team um, because it would it would be it would be a difficult conversation in the midst of all these other comments. And I also don't think the Cardinals are firing their manager this week. Could be wrong. I don't think it's happening. I'm not advocating advocating that they do it either. But I just think the Yachty thing, I just I just don't think it's as great of an idea as people think it is. Not because I don't think he's sharp, but because also I think you want to continue to like Yachty. And Cardinals fans will eventually turn on any manager that manages this team. Any, 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 any. Because you won't win forever. And if you want Yadier Molina and you want to keep loving Yadier Molina, I'm telling you, he could... Imagine he comes into this this roster, if the roster is the issue, like I say, there are issues with this team. It's not built exactly efficiently. And he comes into this roster, first of all, you know, he and Mo, I think, got on fine, but they butted heads at times. You think that's going to be a relationship that's just going to, with a team that's 15 games under, you're going to bring Yachty in midseason? Y'all are y'all are going to dislike your legend Yachty or Molina within two months if he starts managing this team tomorrow. I don't think that's the move that you think it is. I respect you for it because I, I, I get it. You connect some dots. I don't see it. I flat out don't see it. Um, he could be a major league manager one day. I don't think it's this team or this year. Um, maybe the Cardinals down the road, but I again, I just don't see it. John says that Yaz has been a Cardinal killer. No one expected a homer, but walking him would have been great. Uh, but they believe pitching to him was the right move. Here's the other thing, John. It's a oh, you get him 0-2, and then it goes 2-2. You nibble a little bit, and then instead of just trying to hit a corner, just pipe another fastball. I mean, he was going middle-middle on too many fastballs, and Yaz was waiting on it. He, he, he guessed right, and uh, that's twice this year that – Giants hitting has guessed right in the ninth inning on a Cardinal. Blake Sable did it to Helsley in San Francisco in the, the prior series. Said he's throwing all, all breaking balls. We're going to we're gonna take one deep here. Yep, that's brutal. That's a brutal moment of the season. Ryan says that Max is bad. Might be time for DFA. I don't think so. Um, y- you know, you may not want to put him in leverage, but he's had some level of success in the bullpen. That was a tough spot. Again, had... Base runner on second that he didn't put there. That's a, a tough situation to be in. At the same time, would, would would you have liked to have seen him do a little better? Yeah. Hell yeah, you would have. But it is what it is, man. By that point, I thought the game was lost no matter who they put in because 
they they weren't moving the runner off second base when they came to bat, and they didn't. So there you go. Ollie is a product of Mo, says Ryan. Uh, Ollie was dealt an awful hand by the Pobo. It's more on the Pobo than the manager, and that's kind of how I see it. If you want to blame something beyond the players, which I think the players, each and every one of them, probably deserves some blame, Arenado took a lot of it today and said, I haven't been consistent defensively this year. And he's right, he hasn't. Offensively, he's really coming along. Um, only one hit today in, in, in the three strikeouts, but an 819 OPS is way better than where he had been. So, you know, he's coming along a little bit in that regard. Dylan Carlson's going to be at a 700 OPS here soon. That's good to see. Kisner had a really rough offensive day at the plate. That was uh, pretty brutal. And I like Kiz. And I've been advocating maybe that uh, he should play a little bit more. But that was rough today. Uh, Truman says, Brendan, at what point would you have to be at this season that you'd want to be 100% on board with trading goalie? Or is it just out of the question for you? It's not that it's out of the question, but it would have to be out of it by like 20, 25 games, which they could certainly get to. But that wouldn't even be enough. I would need to see, and, and media reports aren't the end-all be-all, but I would need to see so much smoke from these media reports that, like, top prospects are available for, you know, teams trying to get Paul Goldsmith and give up legit top prospects that can step right into a major league team. And I don't anticipate that for a guy that is an MVP and could still play at that level, but has also only got eight months on a contract. It's going to be August, September, and I guess October, you count, for a playoff team. And then six months next year. Nine, ten months, that's all you get from Goldie. Um, so I would just need to know that the Cardinals are getting a great deal because I don't think otherwise it's going to be worth it. He deserves to be a Cardinal for life, in my opinion. Um, Einstein says, I have the answer the Cardinals need. On the broadcast, when there's a big moment, you're what Chip does. He jinxes it every time. We only started sucking when he got here. Stop it. Stop it. There's no such thing as a jinx. In fact, I reverse jinxed Montgomery by tweeting out that the Fangraph stat about the swinging strike rate. And then he started pitching like Randy Johnson. One quick second, I'm going to get a drink and cough and not do it in front of your faces. All right, that's better. It's tough. I got to keep the water flowing sometimes. Uh, Joe says, Mo has Tom. I don't even know what that is, energy. Oh, it's succession. Yeah, I don't watch that. I should, but I don't have the HBO or whatever you need to watch it. Um, No, Einstein, I'm not starting that movement. Uh, Ryan likes Chip. Uh, we're talking about uh, curses now that I'm not getting involved in. Appreciate the comments, though. Ryan says, for those saying Mo isn't going anywhere, you're probably right, but I've seen World Series GMs like Maxville and Jackety fired for less. Marmel's only here because of Mo. But Mo has such... Uh, Unity, I don't know if unity is the right word. He is step for step in stride with Bill DeWitt. And Bill DeWitt is the, the chairman, the owner, right? And so to have it get to where they don't see eye to eye, I don't believe is possible. It could be that Bill DeWitt says, Mo, what's working here? You know, it, you were going to step down soon anyway. I kind of asked you to stay around for the transition. I think that kind of took place. Mo was probably wanting to be done sooner than, than he originally agreed with that new contract through 25. But because of the desire to see some of these projects through, um, they've got stuff going on in Jupiter with the Roger Dean facility. They've got the end of you know the Wainwright career. They've, they they want to see maybe what it looks like to to re-sign Goldschmidt or not. And they maybe they just wanted Mo kind of guiding into that next era. They didn't anticipate a ninety loss season, and right now they're on the pace for so much worse than that. So that's kind of uh, I don't know. That's kind of where things are falling right now. 
Yes, those other GMs might have been fired for less. Jockety got fired immediately after a losing season when he hadn't really had any in, in quite some time. But at the same time, I look at it and say, you know, circumstances were maybe different. Uh, DeWitt at the time realized that Jockety's style of roster building wasn't going to continue to work. Um, they, they took advantage of a lot of teams in trades where they were willing to take on salary. And I think that the league kind of through Moneyball was kind of becoming wise to some of that. And they said, you know, we got to develop players internally or we're not going to keep pace. And uh, Moselak is responsible. Yes, he had other guys on staff that did a great job. Mo did a wonderful job at, at kind of guiding the Cardinals into that next era. Now it could be another kind of flashpoint moment in, in baseball where is Mo prepared for what it looks like in the league for the next 10 to 20 years? Um, potentially not, and he might know it, which is why, yeah, this is kind of his like swan song contract. But if the Cardinals are are dealing with a lame duck pobo that the league thinks they can take advantage of in, in strong arm and trades, like it's a it's a dicey situation, even though he's got the eternal trust of ownership, he's got to recognize at some point, if I'm not the guy to do this for a five-year plan, you know, I might have to step aside to let somebody enact that. I don't know if that's something Mo's going to be willing to do or if even he should be required to do it. You know, he's built up a lot of equity in this organization, but it is a very, very interesting and compelling conversation. Uh, appreciate you guys. If you're just brand new to the, the channel, subscribe for daily Cardinals content. We do live streams here multiple times a week. On the days we don't have them, we do Cardinals videos. I'm trying to get where, now that I'm in the YouTube Partner Program, I will be doing multiple Cardinals videos per day in some cases with some new voices. I'll be talking to other people, and so it won't just be me at times. I hope you'll be along for the ride. Um, if you guys are enjoying this, though, it costs you nothing to go ahead and subscribe uh, to this, but you can you can super chat like people like Anthony continue to do. It costs you a little little bit of coin, but uh, you know you don't have to do that by any means. But hey, free subscription. We'd love to have you guys on board. Uh, these the live streams are going to get fun. I know they're they're not that fun right now, but either the Cardinals are going to turn things around, or we're going to have trade talks to to enact about what this team might do and look into the future. I still think is bright. This is why I'm not going to give up on this Cardinals team long term. Because if you've got Goldie and Arenado, which I still think you should, even if a, if, it, if you go into sell mode, that just means Montgomery, Flaherty, Hicks, you know, the, the, the short-term contracts, the guys expiring after this season. In my estimation, that would be the way to do it. By the way, like this stream. We can get to 50 with the number of people we have in here. If you would quickly like this stream, that's free to do as well. Uh, but I look at this core and say Gorman, cost-controlled. Walker, cost-controlled. Mason Wynn, on the way. Uh, if any of these pitching guys can come through, like Libby, like Graceffo, like McGreevy, maybe Zach Thompson. There's a core here that, I, and I didn't even mention Brendan Donovan, cost controlled. Um, Tommy Edmond you still have for a little bit. I, I'm, I'm kind of moving down into another tier of player at this point, but Carlson's still around. Lars Newtbar should be up in that higher tier. Like, there's a core here that you can work with. It's up to the next person in charge to add to that in an effective way and, and, and augment it in a way that can succeed for this team. But I do think there's a lot of pieces here to work with. Uh, Anthony says, "Be honest, be shaved. Does this season force the front office is force their hand to do more next year, or do we get a bunch of excuses in the same bleep next year?" I do think so. I don't think you can have a losing season for the first time since 2007 and end up just acting like it didn't happen. That's what John Mozeliak and company have really tried to do a lot of the way this season. It's kind of go, ah, well, you know, things have happened. The ball keeps bouncing. That's not going to fly forever. It just flat out isn't going to fly forever. And so I really do genuinely believe, Anthony, that this will force the hand of 
ownership slash the front office because in many ways they're kind of the same entity right now with the trust that is established between Mo and DeWitt. I do think it will. They talked about the model is being tested. They're going to be the emperor with no clothes here at the end of the season if they don't end up turning this thing around. If they lose 90-plus games, which they're on pace to do more than that, like I said, they're, they're not going to be able to treat media like they're, they're pariahs for asking legitimately critical questions, which you might say, oh, the media never asks tough questions. I was at winter warm-up. I was in the Mo press conference. The questions were being asked that Mo bristled at. He didn't like some of the line of thought about the way people viewed this team. The Cardinals think, hey, look, we win every year. Why is everybody being so rough on us? They don't know. <laughs> I really think to an extent they don't always know what they don't know about what it would be like to actually have a losing season and have to answer the questions that they've had to answer this year. Now they're finding out, and then nobody likes it. They don't like it. I don't like being on the other side of it going, man, is this team, you know, this is uncomfortable. Nobody expected this. But I do think that they're not just going to be able to ignore forever the realities that are going on right now. Um, Baker is still on the roster, Tim. CJ's looking for Jake Walsh, trying to scroll through some of these guys. So many comments. Again, the only way I can guarantee I'll see it is Super Chat, but I'm I'm legitimately trying to see everybody's uh, not stumping just for the money chats. But uh, if you're really worried, I might not see your chat. That would be the way. Uh, Rob says, unpopular take. Gorman should be a sell-high candidate. Some of his advanced numbers are concerning. He might just be Justin Smoke, and right now he's carrying a ton of trade value. That's precisely, Rob, the type of trade that Mo just flat out won't make. He just will not make it. Should he make it? I don't know. I think there's some merit to the fact that Gorman's probably a guy who's going to OPS 800 to 850 for life. He's going to be a DH for the most part, and so the value of that is what it is, right? Is he ever going to be MVP candidate? Eh, I, I don't think so. For a minute this year, it looked like it. I think he's going to be a really good bat that's going to have inconsistencies. And so I think it ends up being a, a, a valid enough point, Rob, but but that coincides exactly with what I've been saying, that I Mo just has never made those kinds of trades. Think Alex Reyes when he was at the peak of his all-star season as a closer. Cardinals were like, well, if we just hang on to him for dear life, maybe we can make the playoffs and throw him in a wild card game. Well, they threw him in a wild card game. How'd that go? I get it, though. How how bad would it look? Remember last year's Brewers with Josh Hader when they traded him? Tanked the clubhouse. I mean, it really did. It had an impact on that team and their psyche. And so John Mozeliak has never never wanted to portray or send out that message to the fan base, to the clubhouse, like, hey, we're going to subtract while we add. Modern baseball executives can do a few different things. They can do trades like that. They can have a manager in place that can explain it to a clubhouse. And, and like, I think it's an indictment a little bit on council in Milwaukee that they just, you know, they're just kind of stuck in the mud a little bit. I think that they would need to have an executive and a manager in place on the same page to be able to explain some of these things to a team that can buy in. And nobody wants to see their friends get traded, but sometimes buying as you sell or selling as you buy is, is a nature of the beast. I think in modern baseball, it's a hard thing to do. And I don't think it's something that like Mo makes trades as a last resort. There are other GMs that are going to kind of just, fly by the seat of their pants and make those deals. Mo does it as a last resort. And sometimes I think you wait, and you wait, and you wait. And then you go, crap, now we're going to end up getting the wrong side of the value proposition on this deal because we waited so long and everybody in the world knows what we need here. I think there's a lot of that going on and the Cardinals could afford to change their model when it comes to some of these things. Einstein likes the idea of Burleson hits the go-ahead winning homer and then he has not started the game since. Just saying. Yeah, um, 
I think it's Walker related. I think if you're going to play Edmund in center, like, first of all, here's here's how simple it is, Einstein. Walker's got to play every day. If they refuse to DH him like they should, he's going to play in your outfield. If that's the case, putting Burleson in Walker in the same outfield, even if you had a center fielder you loved, is kind of a rough proposition. Edmund is your center fielder right now, and they don't seem to want to put Carlson back in there. I just don't think you'd have enough speed and range, even with Carlson or Edmund, if those guys are on either side. It's a, it's a rough proposition defensively. And so that's kind of the reason. Uh, Joe Ross, they haven't had our well-rounded outfield since 2013. This is from Anthony talking about the Cardinals. Uh, all the stuff that's happening has been building up for years. Mediocre pitching, lackluster outfields. Yep, they have been a revolving door in both categories. Every deadline, they're adding pitching. It's all short-term. It always is. And they're always looking to, to change up their outfield, and they've not been able to guess right. And that's why I say you guard Nupar with your your life because I think he's a real one. But other than that, like you have to hope that Walker can end up playing in the outfield because I think his bat is a real one, and then maybe you're two-thirds of the way there. Einstein adds that Contreras is in the first year of a contract. Pretty common for guys in that situation to struggle. Maybe not that much, but, you know, yeah, I do know. Um, I do know. I hear what you're saying. He's got to be better if the Cardinals are going to get where they need to be. Uh, Allison wants to know on the Field of Dreams game next year, Iowan here, don't like them calling it that when it's not going to be at the Field of Dreams. Maybe call it the Throwback Classic game or something. I agree. Um, It's going to be in Birmingham, Alabama. Probably a really cool ballpark. I hope to get to go. Allison, but yeah, don't call it Field of Dreams when it's not going to be at the Field of Dreams. Uh, trying to find a couple of other comments. I do have to get out of here relatively quick. I know typically we go longer, guys. Tonight, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it super-duper long. Um, Goldie also, B-Wells, is a good point, has a no trade. So if you wanted to send him anywhere, he's got to agree to it. And I don't have any reason to believe he'd want to. Uh, Dakota got slaughtered tonight in Memphis. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, Slim Hot Pocket says that Yaz might be the biggest Cardinal killer out there. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. Cardinals haven't had a well-rounded outfield since when with a consistent power hitter. Yeah. Yeah, Beltron, those years, Holiday was still around. I think that's probably the answer when the when those when that was their outfield. So if that's 2013 or whatever it was. Um Ollie may not have lost the clubhouse, but he's lost the fan base. Yeah, Robert, it really does feel that way, doesn't it? Really does. Um, GB says, Ollie hasn't tried moving Walker toward the top of the lineup. Would love to see him with some protection around him. He batted fifth today. Um, I think the two hole could be interesting, especially if you, if you don't like what Gorman's doing, maybe you slide him at two and you bump Goldie down one spot. I could, I I could make a case for that. Um, bat Walker behind the lefty. CJ says, keep Montgomery and maybe sell high on Jack for some serious prospect potential. Don't keep Montgomery if this team's out of it because I don't think there's any benefit. I don't believe they're re-signing him. That's kind of my thought on that. Um, Folks, I'm going to have to... uh, Don says, will Wayno even get to 200 wins? I say that he will because they're not pulling him from the rotation. He's bound to get three more wins the rest of the season. Um, So I do believe he'll do it. Uh, Cy Linsky says he's not bad, but he's on an expiring contract. Boris clients never re-sign. I think we're talking about Monty. So they have to rebuild the rotation. He's just a part of that. I know CJ wants to keep Montgomery to eat innings, and I'm not saying he's bad. I just think it's a situation where you, if you're out of it, out of it. If there's no hope for 2023, you sell off all of the short-term assets for sure. Is kind of the way that I look at it. Folks, I know we've gotten some good comments that I've not been able to get to tonight, and you guys were hot and heavy with it. Um, 
I'm not going to be able to get to them all. I'm going to read this one from Ethan. Uh, well, I'm going to read Ryan Ray because he did do a super chat tonight. Um, Ryan says, how does the performance of the team affect other people like yourself who have a radio show that rely on ratings? <laughs> We're getting to the point where casual fans will start tuning out. Honestly, it will come to that point. But I think if it does, hopefully we can start to shift to talking about the future and bringing up the young kids and trade deadline and, and, and still have good ratings from that. But I will say this, Cardinals fans like the negative. Like, they want to be able to have their voice heard when things are going poorly. So um, I think this is better than them just being mediocre the, for ratings purposes. I hate it because I would like to have some playoffs to talk about, and it doesn't look like we're going to get to. But uh, I'm glad you asked that question, and it's something I'd like to explore uh, for sure when I have a little bit more time. Ethan, we're going to get out of here with Ethan's, I think. I'll scroll down to the very bottom after I read Ethan's comment. Um but he says, if the Cardinals were in the hunt for a new Pobo this offseason, who do you want? Someone from the Rays or Dodgers? Here's my thing. I don't think it's very Bill DeWitt-ish to go outside the org. So I would say Target. Target, you already got him. I'd say Randy Flores, honestly, would be my pick. It's nothing against Gersh. I think Randy Flores, though, has shown uh, to be really sharp in, in the way he's gone about that that draft room in recent years. And I think he's just got, I think he's got good demeanor and good temperament for it. So that would be my choice. But, yeah, if you're going to go outside the org, you pluck from the Rays. You absolutely do, man. You take one of their top guys because they have been unbelievable with that front office. So I really do think that makes sense. All right, folks, that's going to do it, though, for this edition of the show. I apologize it's a little bit shorter of a live stream tonight. We'll continue to do more, but for my own health, sometimes i got to not stay up till 3 a.m. I'm available at bshafer12 on Twitter. Um, I'm available on YouTube. I'm available in comments. I will be around. Let me know your thoughts. Tweet at me. DM me if you want to have that conversation. I read these DMs. I really do. When you guys, even when you think you're writing a big book, I try really hard to read them for you so that I can get an idea of how the fan base is feeling. You guys have given me a ton of support. It means a lot. We're now monetized. We're now a partner program on YouTube. Like this stream on your way out to get it to 50. Subscribe to the channel before you leave so that you'll know the next time we go live. But uh, appreciate you all for being here tonight. That's going to do it, though, for this edition of the show. We'll talk to you next time on Be Shafe Daily Live. Peace.